All right, so tonight we're in Galatians chapter 6, and the title of tonight's message is called Sewing Lessons. Sewing Lessons, but not uh, spelled S-E-W, sewing, because that's girly, and I don't know how to sew. And so I'm not going to teach you how to sew. This is Sewing Lessons spelled S-O-W, sewing like a farmer. And you're like, well, you're not a farmer either. You're right. <laughs> I'm not a farmer. It's just an illustration. So, yes. And, you're, and uh, we're going to relate this to our, our whole topic we've had through this book, which has been war on legalism. This whole book is about war on legalism. And after all that we've learned about grace and legalism this year, we come to a section that can easily trip us up. But... Uh, or, or actually, it's more going to test us or test how much we've learned. We've been learning about grace and we've been learning about legalism. And this is kind of this section here is sort of an SAT test for how good you're doing at living in the spirit, living by the spirit, because we can as we read these verses, you're, I think you're going to see just like me that my tendency is to go back to a legalistic way of thinking, to go back to. All right, so these are the, I finally got to it. After all these verses in Galatians that have been confusing the, the, the marbles out of me, I finally get to a list of something that I can do. A list. And my flesh, my brain, my heart loves lists to follow. But it's so wrong. That is not the way that the Lord works. And he's, we're going to see here that's not a list. This isn't a list. And if we start to catch ourselves thinking that way, it's a good time to come back to the Lord. Every, every time is a good time to come back to the Lord, but this is a good one. So we've been learning, spent uh, weeks learning about, number one, our freedom from the law, our freedom from lists, our freedom from having to compare ourselves with others or with a, any kind of a standard to please God. And we've also learned, number two, about our freedom from living for ourselves, which is also called licentiousness. So freedom from the law, number one. Freedom from licentiousness. We don't have, it's not that we just had grace to do whatever we want to do. We get grace to be, we have learned, spiritual people. Truly spiritual people that honor God because they love God. That follow the law because that's the natural tendency of our heart that's being changed by Jesus every day. And so that, that spiritual people is what we've learned to become. Not fakers, not pretenders, not those legalistic people that are just trying to imitate the law or the list of rules. Nope, we've become spiritual people. And the overarching idea has been it's not about what you do, it's about who you trust while you're living. And uh, you guys may remember the, a really vital verse was Galatians 2.20, and I'm just going to read that for us again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What a central verse to this whole book, to this whole topic, to our whole lives, to this whole church, to everything in our lives. That verse is central. It's not about us living. It's about Jesus living in us and through us. And how do we do that? By faith. 
by faith, by trusting the Lord. So we've searched out the depths of this topic. We have spent weeks looking at it. And uh, you guys who haven't been here, you can get the Internet and look at it because it's been great. But in the verses we're going to study tonight, we are going to learn a very practical lesson to do good things. Do good things. That's the lesson to take every opportunity to do good things. But before we even read this section, we need to remind ourselves again and to remember that Paul is not, does not mean try to do good things. It is not what he says. Try. But instead, actually do good things because you're actually good people. When you're spending time with the Lord, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're actually going to do good things. And he's going to remind us of a few of these good things. Because everything that we do is not just physical. Some people think we live in a physical level of what we see and what you feel and think, and that's all that's in this world is just a physical level. But we know that there's a physical and a spiritual level, and everything we do is on both of these levels. Everything is on both of these levels when you become born again. There's a spiritual level to everything that you're doing. And that's, so that's what we're going to learn tonight, that there's a battle in our hearts that's raging every day, even today, on how we do things. How we do things. How we give is going to be the primary discussion. How we study, how we love, how we serve, how we speak are all ways that we can apply this. How are we doing it? And the answer was in Galatians 2.20. The answer is, it's no longer I who live, but I live by faith. By faith. By faith. That is going to be the answer to how we do these things. But we're going to see it kind of stand out for us. So let's go ahead and read Galatians 6, 6 through 10. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith. So he says there at the beginning, let us, uh, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Uh, the right relationship between a teacher and the taught or the minister in the congregation is one of koinonia. Have you guys heard that word before, koinonia? It's a word that is a Greek word meaning fellowship, but it means, it means a total connection and union and oneness, uh, not just being friends, but being truly united. That's where you get that term koinonio, fellowship. And the word here in Greek for share is actually koinieto. It's the, it's the um, active part of, it's the active way to say that koinonia word. So he says, uh, you know, it's, it's a fellowship or a partnership. So Paul says, let him who is taught in the word koinieto, all good things with him who teaches. 
So, I've also often wondered, this is a quote from Martin Luther, I've often wondered why all the apostles reiterated this request with such embarrassing frequency. Because you know what he's saying here. He's saying, give to your church so your pastor can live. Okay? So this is an embarrassing thing for me to talk about. Like, I get to this part and I'm like, uh, maybe I could just skip that verse because it's embarrassing. Like, I don't want to say, you should give so that I can... No, that's not what it is. I hate even talking about it. I get all weird about it, flustered, because I, I trust the Lord that he's always going to provide for me, so it's no big deal. But it's repeated so many times in Scripture. And Martin Luther says, we've come to, come to understand why it is so necessary to repeat the admonition of this verse. When Satan cannot suppress the preaching of the gospel by force, he tries to accomplish his purpose by striking the ministers of the gospel with poverty. So I thought that was an interesting quote. So then he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows that he will also reap. That verse is used in in many contexts. Many people will pull that verse out and say, see, look, you reap what you sow. And that's a principle that they pull out. And they'll they'll use, you know, you're going to get what's coming to you. That's kind of the idea that they're pulling out. Or, you know, your sin will find you out. And those can be an an application for this verse, but the primary application is much deeper than that. And uh, here's a little story. Sir Robert Watson uh, Watt was the inventor of the radar, and he was arrested himself for speeding. He was caught in a radar trap. Shortly after this irony, he wrote this poem. He wrote this poem himself. Pity Sir Robert Watson Watt, stranger, strange target of his radar plot, and this, with others I could mention, a victim of his own invention. He kind of reaped what he sowed, you could say. So he, Paul pulls out this illustration of sowing and reaping. When you plant a seed, that's what sowing is, in case you didn't know, you're sowing something in the ground, you're planting a seed, you are trusting that it's going to grow and you're preparing to wait. You want to get something out of it, so you wait. But you can't see how the seed starts to grow. It's hidden in the ground. Can you, can you see? When you, if you're a farmer and you plant it, do you know what's really happening? No. You just know that when you plant it, something happens in the ground. You try to explain it to your kid and you just say it's magic because you can't explain it. But... If something happens down there and it starts to grow, but you can't see it and you have to wait to enjoy the fruit of what you've planted, whatever you've planted, you have to wait to see what it is. But it will eventually it will be clear what kind of crop was sown. So the first topic that uh, this applies to uh, contextually is giving. But remember, we can apply it to all the things we do serving the Lord, whether it's setting up, setting up stuff here. Uh, praying for someone here in this service, or leading worship, or doing slides, or sound, or hospitality. Every single one of these things, it's the same thing. You guys are sowing seeds when you serve in that way. You're sowing seeds. You're sowing seeds just by coming here. You're sowing seeds. And we don't know what's happening because it's a spiritual. It's a spiritual seed. And we don't know if it's when it's, well, we don't know. But we're going to find out. 
So when we view this sharing, so going back to it, uh, the application of it being giving, when we view this sharing as worthless, it's mocking God. He says, you know, God is not going to be mocked. Uh, making fun or belittling, belittling his generosity towards those who give to him in his work. It's like saying, you know, I think it's ridiculous that you find it valuable to spend your time doing hospitality at the church or praying for someone. Like, do you really think that does anything? Or getting up early and reading the word, do you really think that matters? Or just spending a few minutes at work going off and praying in your car or something does that really do, people have that attitude and what they're doing is they're mocking God because God says it does matter. It does matter. And you're sowing seeds and you will get a crop from those seeds. You will. And so it's a it's a it's um, you know, they think you're not that's not going to get you anywhere in this dog eat dog world that we're in today. You spending five minutes meditating or doing whatever you're doing or you helping that lady across the street or praying for someone at church or even going to church on a Wednesday night when you could be getting a head start for work tomorrow, making more money. Why isn't that your focus? Luther puts it strongly. He says, be careful, you scoffers. God may postpone his punishment for a time, but he will find you out in time and punish you for despising his servants. You cannot laugh at God. I like that. Hebrews 13:17. Let's look at that verse real quick. Hebrews 13:17. Thought I'd bring up just a couple of these verses because they kind of go together. It says, "Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you unprofitable for you i have that word unprofitable underlined in my bible because we're talking about sowing and reaping god is saying you're going to get a crop you could you're going to profit if you sow the right way if you sow spiritually it's going to come back for you and then he relates it here to sharing with your pastor and here he says, if you, if you do a good job, or if you don't do a good job, it's going to be unprofitable for you. So what's he saying? He's saying there's a connection between how much you're going to be able to reap in your crop, your spiritual growth, your spiritual life, to your sharing. There's a connection there. And I don't know what that connection is, but God says it's real and it's there. That the more you share, the more you're united and koinonia together, with your church, with the, the people that God has around you, the more you're going to grow, the more you're going to get out of that. So if you were to write a manual on how not to reap or how not to be fruitful or how to ruin your crop, you would say, be rebellious and grief your pastor. Give him grief instead of sharing with him and being united with him. Another uh, verse that applies to this is 1 Corinthians 9.11 which Paul is talking again about the same subject. He says, if we have sown spiritual things for, for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Hmm. So Paul is saying the spiritual is much more important than the physical. Truly, 
spiritual people versus legalistic, outward-looking people. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the money. It's not about anything. It's about the spirit of what's going on. And the reaping has to do with the spiritual aspect of it. So turn with me now to 2 Corinthians 9. And we're going to spend a couple minutes here and see what God can show us through this. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. And actually, I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation because it really brought out some of the... um, some parts that that were kind of new for me. He says, remember this. Remember this, Paul says. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You didn't know Paul talked so much about being a farmer, did you? He's a, you know, a lot about farming. I don't even know. I mean, that was the kind of the culture back then, but... He really used this a lot. And Jesus did too. Verse 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Let me read that again. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Not for you, in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will be they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ. Not that it says it will prove that you are obedient. It proves it. It doesn't you don't become obedient by doing it. It's a after effect. All this giving So, then, verse 14, And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Wow. When I read that, I think that sharing with my pastor or anyone or just giving and, and serving like he's encouraging us to do here is the best way to have a wonderful relationship. It's the best way. You know, a relationship that's deep and overflowing. Look again, and they will pray for you with deep affection. Wouldn't you like to have friends like that? Wouldn't it be great to say, my friends I know pray for me with deep affection. 
because of the overflowing grace that's been given to me. Man, that's the kind of relationships I want. And how does it happen? Through serving them and loving them and sharing with them. Doing the things it's saying here, uh, not growing weary while doing good and, and, and giving. Just giving of yourself, giving of your life. Sowing physically reaps the spiritual fruit because it was done with a spiritual faith. Again, not me who live. I'm not doing it out of my desire. I'm doing it because of Christ and I trust him. That's why I'll give to church. That's why I'll spend my time with you. That's why I'll do this for you. That's why. That's why we behave the way we behave as Christians. Giving, giving, giving. That Back in Galatians 6 now. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So the question is, what are you investing in? It's like having two dogs. I have three dogs, but I'll just take, we'll pretend one died yesterday and I only have two now. One is about this big, he's 60, 70 pounds, his name is Shadow. Aztec died, sorry. Shadow, and he, he's, he represents the flesh. He's a, a uh, he just represents the flesh, okay? On this side, I have my other dog, who is a three-pound chihuahua, uh, what's it? Beagle chihuahua mix. Her name is Godzilla. So Godzilla represents the spirit, okay? So the question being, what are you investing in? <clears throat> if you have these two dogs, and they don't like each other, the flesh and the spirit, they fight against each other, they hate each other, as we've been learning in our, in our whole study here, the flesh and the spirit do not like each other. So, every morning, I get up and I feed these dogs. I'm investing in them. And if I'm investing in my flesh dog, he gets big and strong. And what I do during that day, generally, is which one of these dogs I fed more, which one is stronger, which one has gotten stronger that day, which one have I invested in. And the Bible says that that's what's going to happen. But if you feed your spirit, your spirit becomes stronger, and you start to act more spiritual, start to do more good things, because you've been investing in your spirit. But it takes time for these two things to show up. They don't just, one doesn't just get stronger overnight. Zilla's only three pounds right now. It's going to take a long time for her to get big enough to overcome this that's been here for 30 years until I got saved, dog, of flesh that I have. And so I have to feed that spirit. I have to invest in it. Some say, never invest your money in anything that eats or needs repainting. It's a good investment rule. <laughs> but we invest in everything we're doing. We're investing. Everything you're doing, you're sowing a seed in everything. And you can't see how that seed starts to grow because it's hidden in the ground. You, don't, you can't see when you get up and you have your devotions in the morning. You can't see it work right away. And, and you, you come to me, maybe some people come to me and say, I've been doing my devotions for two weeks and I haven't seen anything. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And they're like, well, when am I going to see something? I have no idea. 
Maybe the seed you planted is like some tree that doesn't grow for four years. I don't know. But we know that it will eventually. We have to wait for the fruit we want to enjoy. But again, it will eventually be clear. So if we sow to the flesh, the results will be corrupted, it says. Mangled, messed up. Maybe even you wanted to spiritually accomplish something, but you tried to do it in your flesh. By your strength, by your own resources, the results can always be, can't be anything but a failure. You can't succeed spiritually in the flesh. That's why there's such a severe gulf between the man-centered ideas of psychology and the Jesus-centered power available to believers. If it's not done in the Spirit, glorifying Jesus and His grace, it's not done. No one can change spiritually outside of Jesus. It can't be done. It's not going to be a good crop because the seed wasn't a good seed. There may be behavior modification that psychology could influence you or, or enable you to do, but the fruit cannot be hidden forever. The true fruit of the heart can't be hidden. If you need self-control in your life, Maybe you're spending too much money or you're looking at pornography. The solution is not a program or a lesson or a class to take. It's the Spirit. The Spirit. Asking Jesus and trusting Him for the victory you need. There's no other way. It's the Spirit. And then He says here, and let us not grow weary while doing this good that we're talking about. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. This patience that he's talking about is like it's not being able to instantly see the results of trusting Jesus. And it can cause us to grow weary. It can. And he's warning us against that. Paul says, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep on praying. Keep on inviting that neighbor. Keep on forgiving that person who is a jerk to you. Keep on loving. Keep on reading your Bible alone in the secret place and with your family and everything. Keep on. Keep on sowing all those good spiritual seeds and in due season we shall reap. Turn with me to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. This will blow your mind. And bless your heart. Psalm 126, verse 5. This this verse in my, my Bible is stained with tears. It has gotten me through many difficult times in my life. And I'm serious. I'm 100% serious. Psalm 126, verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. And verse 6. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, 
shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. I know it can be really hard to trust the Lord and to continue sowing these seeds when it's, when it's painful, when sowing these seeds is the last thing you want to do, when you do not want to show love, when you do not want to get up and, and read the word and you do not want to open it up and you do not want to deal with things that the Lord brings up in your heart. It can be hard. It can be brutal. It's like jumping off a bridge every day that if you're afraid of heights, that, that fear that before you have to bungee jump or jump off a bridge, that it's, it's paralyzing. It can be ter- terrible. Or it's like feeling like you have to volunteer to get crushed for Jesus' sake every day. It's like, is this really what, my, what I'm called to? But that's why it's called faith. That's why when it says Jesus is living in me, it's not me who's living. What did Jesus do? He was crushed. What did he do in the Garden of Gethsemane? I was, I was there a week ago, today, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was crushed. You know what Gethsemane means? An olive press. A press where this giant stone thing would be wheeled around and it would crush the olives. Crush them. And what would come out would be the oil. And Jesus was crushed there. And he was praying. And what happened? He started to sweat great drops of blood. Because he was so he was so crushed. In this, his faith in the Lord was crushing. It was crushing. And he was sowing seeds, spiritual seeds of faith. And what's the crop that's come from those seeds? All of us. We're saved because of that. And he says here in this psalm, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He says, I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck. There's going to be things you go through that are terrible, that no one deserves to go through. But you trust the Lord in those things, and you let Jesus be the one who's crushed, and you, you let yourself be crushed with Jesus, let yourself die with him, and the life that comes out of your life after that will no longer be you, but will be Jesus living in you. And the light in your eyes when someone looks at you, they'll be like, wow, you remind me of someone. And you'll be like, I don't know, I just, I gave up. I just, I'll keep sowing these seeds. I'll keep living for the Lord. You act right, and then you wait. And you repeat as necessary. You like those little instruction labels on how to clean your clothes? I never read them, but they're like that. They give a simple instruction. And here's the one for us. Act right, and then you wait. You act right again, and then you wait. And you do the right thing, and then you wait. And I don't know what the 
how long you'll have to do that for. I mean, some people across the world get killed for doing it, but their crop will not fail. When they get to heaven, and even their legacy here on earth, their crop it grows. And, you know, to those of us who are always in a hurry, here's some good advice from a 19th century preacher named A.B. Simpson. Beloved, he says, have you ever thought that someday you will not have anything to try you or anyone to vex you again? There, would, there will be no opportunity in heaven to learn or to show the spirit of patience, forbearance, and long-suffering. If you are to practice these things, it must be now. Yes, each day affords us countless opportunities to learn patience. So let's not waste them. Let's not waste them. Let's sow our seeds even when someone is vexing us or we have something that's trying us. Don't lose heart, Paul says, in doing good, especially to those who are the household of faith, right? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we, uh, many of us have sowed many seeds, even in tears, Lord, to you. And Lord, I pray above anything right now that we would not lose heart, but that we would continue to sow those seeds. And for any of us who may have backed off a little bit on not scattering so many seeds, just, just kind of started to take it easy in our, in our walk with the Lord because we're going through something tough. God, I pray that we would press in, that we would be like you in the Garden of Gethsemane, that we would go deeper and we would stay up later and we would go harder after you to see your will done on this earth. Lord, let your will be done in our lives. Lord, we pray um, with a heavy heart for our brother Avant tonight. And Lord, what he's going through and, and his family. And just, I pray that you would use him powerfully. And Lord, you blessed him with such a a, a humble heart, God, and I pray that his whole family gets saved. And as he's up there, Lord, I pray you would help him to scatter these seeds in a spiritual way. God, we want to we want to partake in the ministry that he's doing up in Chicago right now. We want to plant seeds right here for that, Lord. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to glorify you and walk with you every day and to see, start to see, maybe even just get glimpses of what the crop is that you want to produce in our life. But even if we don't see it, Lord, we still will trust you. And we want to sow these seeds in tears, Lord, even when it hurts. Because, Lord, you did it for us. You were our example. You showed us how to do it. To pray and to trust you. To submit to you, Jesus. To our Father. And, Lord, 
We pray you be glorified in our lives. Amen.